Welcome back to the North American Supply Chain Summit. This is Alan Adler. I am the Detroit Bureau Chief for Freight Waves. I'm joined by Heather Kellohan. Heather is the Executive Director of Global Planning for Cummins Incorporated out of Columbus, Indiana. Cummins is a major tier one supplier of engines, best known for engines probably, but also power distribution, uh, a growing business in new power like hydrogen and electrification, as well as data centers and a, a lot of other businesses. Uh, Heather's story is interesting. Uh, she got to Cummins at a rather precipitous time. So tell us, you have not been with Cummins very long. You spent a great deal of time at uh, Dow Chemical in uh, Mid Midland, Michigan, most of your career, I guess. Uh, but you joined the, the uh, Cummins folks at a, at a time that uh, will probably go down in infamy, as a, as a certain president once said. Yes, yeah, so I was at Dow Chemical for 25 years, uh, doing a lot of roles in planning, strategy, supply chain, it's really my passion. Earlier this year, I decided to make the jump and join Cummins. So I got to Cummins the first week of March. I spent four days in the office and then everything started to shut down around the world. And since then I've been working from my living room. <laughs> it's not really a strange time to join a new company in a new industry. I actually really have no idea what normal is for this industry because my entire tenure here has been colored by the pandemic. And, and when, you, when you got to Cummins, clearly uh, you had to uh, adjust on the fly. I think you told me yesterday uh, that you could have done all this from your living room in Midland. You didn't really have to go to Indiana to do this, uh, but you did. And uh, now that you're there, so, so talk about those first few days, if you would, of uh, you know your role in planning, but also I think you've said that your expertise is really inventory. Maybe you could just kind of dive in there and, and frame that up against the pandemic. Yeah, sure. So it was definitely an interesting time. It felt really uncertain for me. In my old role, I would have known exactly what levers to pull, where to go get data, what we needed to do. But I'm I'm jumping into a new company and, and trying to figure that out really, really quickly, right? Because time was of the essence as our, our plants in China had shut down. We were um, had looming shutdowns in India, in Mexico, and even in the U.S., so fortunately, planning is planning, and, and we knew that we needed kind of the same data. So really got the team together pretty quickly to start pulling together a snapshot of what do we have, and let's start looking at scenarios. Let's start talking about what if this plant shuts down for a week or two weeks or a month? What if this plant shuts down? How would we source? So we really had a big uh, exercise to pull together all of the data and then start making strategic decisions about what we want to do with what we had and educated guesses about what we might get in the future and how we might be able to move things around. Again, not really having a historical reference for what happens in these types of events. Well, certainly, you, you know, Cummins deals with some larger products, whether it's, you know, putting together the supply chain for an engine or the, the physical movement of, of an engine. When you go into the kind of downturn that the automotive and the trucking industry saw, where basically the plants went to zero, they, it wasn't a question of slowing down. It was almost a, uh, almost a cold shutdown. And, you know, you're into that in sort of that late March and April timeframe. And then you know, you have this amazing bounce back. I think the economists call it a V-shaped recovery. Uh, you went from nothing to overtime. Can you talk about that? 
Yeah, I can. It's been one of the really big challenges in in COVID. Of course, we faced a lot of challenges, right? I just talked about the really, really tactical things of trying to figure out what's going to shut down where, trying to be really proactive about moving inventory out of a region before a shutdown or changing a sourcing location if one plant can't produce. So there were some really tactical things at the beginning that we had to tackle. But as I look back across the, the last eight months, nine months now, it's hard to believe it's been that long. The biggest challenge overall, I would say, is actually the volatility that you just talked about. We had in second quarter, our biggest historical quarter over quarter drop in demand. And so we were just kind of aligning to that, figuring out how to preserve cash, how to adapt in this low demand environment. And then in third quarter, we had our biggest quarter over quarter historical increase in demand. So really some very quick changes, as you mentioned, from shutdowns and slowdowns to ramp ups 24 hours a day, seven days a week running. And so that's been, as I look back, probably the biggest challenge is how do we create enough agility and responsiveness to respond to that type of change? Because it's, it's been monumental. It's, it's really worth noting, too, that when you talk about the greatest quarter over quarter change, we're talking 102 years or 101 years because Cummins has been around since 1919. And so this wasn't a question of, well, this was the greatest since the Great Recession or something like that. We're talking a really long time, you know, a century. Exactly. So, so this, is, this is truly a big deal. Uh, I've listened to, yeah, obviously, to, to Tom Weinbarger and others talk about some of the adjustments. At, at your level, sort of just for a moment on the granular basis, one or two examples of, of you know, you mentioned sort of redeploying and, and uh, you know, moving inventory out ahead of a, a plant shutdown, things like that. What, what's one that stood out to you as being particularly uh, tricky to do? Yeah, I will say all of it was tricky, right? Because we're not set up. We don't have the logistics flows set up to, to move the ways that we were moving. We don't have our planning system set up to, to move the way that we were moving. So we really had to get very creative on the fly. If you think about a planning system and how you, how you create those transportation orders, none of that was there. We have a set flow and that's how we move things. So we had to on the fly adjust. We were very fortunate. We deployed some visibility uh, and some supplier collaboration. Last year, we started some improvement work there with One Network, one of our key partners. And we were actually able to use that visibility to really have a, a broader view of where we have inventory and move things in an atypical fashion. So we may typically move things from plants to warehouses where they go into our aftermarket or distributors. Um, we were actually able to, if plants needed critical parts, take those parts, see where all those parts were and bring them back to the plants for critical engine builds. At the same time, we were able to look at inventory parts that are in a plant allocated for an engine build and say it's actually more critical that we service customers over here and move those parts around. Those aren't typically things that we do, but we were able to respond and do that in this pandemic. Yeah, you mentioned about uh, taking engine builds, for example, back inside and things like that. It, it occurs to me that that uh, especially during the early days of the pandemic, you had a lot of people that were obviously not ordering uh, new vehicles. And so therefore, uh, I would imagine the parts business became a much bigger part of what you had to keep an eye on uh, in terms of getting parts where they needed to get to. Yeah, there were a couple of different dynamics, exactly as you said. On one hand, you don't have people buying engines, especially in the early months. We're really holding off to see what the recovery looks like. 
Um, but on the other hand, you have a lot of truck miles as people are ordering groceries and shopping online, a lot of shipping happening. So we had a, a parts market that we're watching and trying to make sure that we can keep those critical parts flowing and then trying to manage a, a downturn or in the market over here. Yeah. Was there, was there sort of an inflection point? You know, we talked about this this V-shaped recovery, if you will, and a lot of overtime and, and, and things like that. Was there a point where you felt, uh, you know, at least in the first round, you know, we, we have several waves, if you will, of, of pandemic that we're dealing with. But did you reach an inflection point where you said, OK, I think I see what we need to do now and this is how we'll look at it, you know, when we get another wave, for example? Yeah, we were really good very early on in, in figuring out what we needed to do. One of the challenges we had is how do we keep our plants operating? If you had four people working in close proximity on the line building an engine, they can't do that anymore. So how, as we saw the recovery, no matter what shape it was going to take, we realized that we needed to have that supply capacity. And so how do we redesign our lines? And the manufacturing team did a great job of bringing cobots in to, to be able to assist with that, some of those builds, spread people out on the line. But we really pretty early on said, no matter what shape, we know that we're operating under what we've called a new normal. And we're going to have to start to adjust to that. So we've been really working on that since the early months. Yeah. We had a whole team working on our new, what we think will be the new normal for some period of time. You you mentioned when we talked to sort of in advance about sort of the planning function, and one of the things that intrigued me that you said was that uh, you know the sensors that you're putting on some of your engines and on some of your parts to to really gain data that allows you to understand better uh, both the planning function and 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 some of the predictive things that you need to do. Talk about that for a moment, would you? Sure, I will. So I talked earlier about the volatility in the market and the, the challenges with being agile and, and responding quickly to these types of changes. So we're trying to address that a couple of ways. And one of the way, big ways that I'm a believer in is predictive analytics. If we can get a better forecast, then we have more time. Even if we can get a month or two months ahead of that forecast, ideally we'd like a much longer term and we're working on that. But even if we can get some shorter term views, that really helps us better prepare and service our customers. So in addition to demand analytics and, and trying to improve our forecast accuracy there, we've also started to look at the telematics data that we collect from engines and the sensor data and say, is there something that we can glean from that to predict one month, two months, three months ahead of time, parts failures, and make sure that we have the right parts in the right locations, right? We have over 600 wholly owned uh, distributors, 7,600 dealer locations. There's a lot of locations around the world. We have tens of thousands of different parts. So you can imagine it's a challenge to get the right part in the right place all the time and be cost effective. So any type of advanced analytics that we can bring really helps us do that and service our customers. So we've got to on that. I'm sorry for interrupting you. I, it's interesting when you talk about predictive analytics because it's something that a lot of your original equipment manufacturing customers are doing themselves with their own data. I mean, uh, one of your bigger customers, of course, is Navistar. They recently uh, opened up a lot of sort of app-based things to, to you know, figure out how they're going to know what their parts these are and things like that. But I think you've indicated that that your parts are your parts. You don't really get to look at their data so much. You have right. to- you know, At some point, what I would love, right? If I think about supply chain, I think about it in an end-to-end -end landscape. 
and nowhere is that more important being new to this industry. I've always viewed it supply chain in an end-to-end landscape, but really seeing all of the tiers and layers and the interconnectedness all the way from the many suppliers to our end customers is is pretty amazing to me. And I'd love at some point for us to really have an end-to-end from supplier to end customer supply chain and sharing so that we're really optimizing across that entire supply chain. Do you see that happening? I mean, it makes perfect sense to me that if you're, for example, putting a sensor on on an engine block, uh, or on a part of an engine to to watch for wear and for wear out, that it would make sense that the customer, the end customer, would want to share that data and then ultimately, you know, reciprocate by sharing data with you. Is that just sort of a dream at this point, or is that something you could see happening? I can, I can definitely see that happening. Again, eight months in the industry, right? I think we've got work to do, but I think that the whole industry is moving towards how do we really get end-to-end? How do we start collaborating better and make it a win-win for all of us? Sure. Did you? Um, I, I think you've alluded to it a couple of times, and so I want to give you a chance to talk about it. This business at Cummins is very different from the chemical business and from where you, where you came. Talk a little bit about the sort of the the uh, the differences really and what applies and what doesn't i mean you worked with a lot more raw materials i would think yeah so i think there's some things that are very similar right dow was a big large integrated company and when i look at cummins it's that same type of integration a gen set requires an engine requires our components so there's stuff flowing in all types of different directions so there's a similar level of complexity a similar level of integration um but when you add on all the layers of suppliers here and the way that we transmit orders and the way that we work, there's definitely some complexity and some lag in the industry that makes planning more challenging. So we've got to make sure we're seeing a signal right from our end customer that's got to get to us and then it's got to get through tier one, tier two, tier three. So it's challenging to do that in a timely fashion and a cost-effective fashion. What, what have you learned so far about about handling? So I remember uh, in, in an automotive uh, time that I spent, we used to talk about the uh, M schedules, the S schedules, you know, the two week out schedules and things like that that suppliers needed. You know, they wouldn't they wouldn't start building parts or start acquiring things until they got that that go signal. Um, as a tier one, you're obviously sending out a lot of those signals yourself. What have you learned in that space? I mean, is there a way to to take better advantage? of some of that time that you're gaining through better planning. I definitely think there is. And that's where we're, again, relying on analytics to tell us when are when is our order board full? When do we think there's minimal changes? When, when should we be speculative? When can we firm things up? So I think we've got a lot of opportunities to um, send smoother signals. Yeah, we, we certainly saw, you know, kind of a, uh, like I mentioned earlier, this, this cold shutdown of the industry for six weeks in, in the spring. And now you've gotten that back plus some. I mean, I think what we're seeing with some of the ordering is people trying to, you know, uh, fill up build slots and things like that to make sure they can get product. I presume you're tracking that and and, and watching what's happening there. Um, Heather, thank you so much for this time. What what would you leave us with? What what from an inventory perspective, from a planning perspective, would you sort of like to take us out on? 
Yeah, I'll just say I think it's a really exciting industry. There's definitely a lot of challenges that are new. There are things that are the same, but I'm really excited to be here. It's a it's a great company. One of the things that I came to do was really look at our planning processes, our planning technology, and figure out how we can make improvements there. Um, I'm excited about the opportunity. I'm excited about the company and the industry. So I think there's just a, a lot of good work that's going to be happening as we get smarter. One of the key fo- focuses, and I've talked about it a couple of times today for me, is really how do we get smarter about the things that we do? How do we use um, analytics to make smarter decisions? Planning is really math at the end of the day. It's addition and subtraction, but how do we get a little bit smarter about that addition and subtraction? And I think that's what I'm looking forward to is bringing some of that in into our supply chain planning organization here, making smarter decisions so that we can really be cost effective and so that we can really provide great service to our customers, the service that they've come to expect. Right. Well, you've done something right if you've been around 101 years. So, um, <laughs> you know, welcome to Cummins, right? Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, Heather, it was great talking to you and uh, have a great day. Great. Thank you, Alan.